Classy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Flora. We hear a lot of stories about founders that drop out of school to start startups. But Shravya Adesumili decided to create her brand, Mango People, while still finishing her degree in chemical engineering. Mango People just launched at Sephora in August, becoming the retailer's first Ayurvedic makeup brand. Shravya joined the podcast for this week's episode to talk all about Ayurvedic ingredients, aluminum packaging, TikTok shopping feature, and more. Here's the interview. Shravya, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. So your brand, Mango People, just launched at Sephora. Tell us a little bit about your background. You studied chemical engineering. How did you get into beauty? Did you always plan to use that to get into beauty? Um, No, not at all. It was a very random thing. So um, as you mentioned, my background is in chemical engineering. It was uh, when I was in my second year of engineering, I learned that my favorite lipstick that I use almost every day slash eight because I had a terrible lip biting habit, um, especially when I get stressed out, which being being an engineering student, you're always stressed out. So I used to eat a lot of it. And I remember uh, one of the days I learned I learned all the ingredients that went into the lipstick that I was eating slash wearing. Um, and I was just absolutely mortified and tried to find alternatives. Unfortunately, I couldn't at the time. And um, I, I decided why not, why not create my own. And then that's how the journey kind of started. So what year was this? This was 2016 or 2017, I want to say. And then were you still in school when you started working on the brand? Yes, yes. I uh, I used to go to college, come home, do my homework. And then I used to go to my mom's kitchen at first to kind of experiment. And then unfortunately, there was a little bit of an accident that turned my mom's kitchen into pink. Um, my, but my parents were still so supportive. They made, uh, they realized how serious I am with this whole thing. And they set, set up a DIY make-do lab in their basement. And then, yeah, from then on, I used to go, go to my basement, kind of experiment away during the nights after finishing up my homework. <laughs> oh, wow. How much sleep were you getting? Not too much, uh, but it was definitely worth it. I, I think I just, I just enjoyed the process so much. Uh, it was really cool learning about everything, um, unlearning and then relearning. And just even the whole experimenting part was just so fun that I had the best time doing it. And tell me about the first products you developed. What, what were you working with? What kind of products were you focusing on? Yes. So my first product that I ever developed was our multi-sticks, which is also our hero product. Um, I, you know, I'm sure you can relate to this. Like being a college, broke college student, um, I can barely afford to like get one makeup product, let alone like so many to finish my whole entire look. Um, and I remember thinking, wouldn't it be great if we can just use one product for your eyes, lips, and cheeks? And uh, that's how the idea of like the multi-stick came to be. I really focused on having ingredients that are safe to use on your eyes, on your cheeks, as well as on your lips. Um, Something that's really good for your skin, something that's easy to use, something that's effortless. So all you need is like five minutes to look put together, which is all I had at the time. So from experimenting in your parents' basement to launching this as a full-fledged brand, what was that process like? Uh, it was it was definitely very challenging to say the least. I think I always thought the experimenting, trying to get the 
product to be a workable product, getting their shade range right, shade range right would be the hardest part. Uh, but basically by the time I graduated, and this was, I was uh, 23 by the time I graduated, I had the three products ready to go. My multi-sticks are bronzers as well as their highlighters. And again, I always thought that would be the most challenging, but I, I was proven wrong very quickly. I think launching the brand itself um, was the hardest part. And that I, after I graduated, I spent a whole year um, trying to do the website design, trying to do the branding, trying to figure out packaging. Um, and again, I was really young at the time. I didn't have a whole lot of money um, or resources at the time. So it was, I think it was easier for me to learn how to do these things than to hire someone because I unfortunately just didn't have that kind of budgets. So yeah, just I spent the whole year just trying to learn how to make a website and thank God for all the technologies that we have these days that it's just, it's almost like a turnkey. Uh, but yeah, taking photography, getting the branding, packaging, all that good stuff done. Um, and then in uh, 2020, in September, we launched the brand. Wow, it's so interesting because with startup founders, you always hear people kind of romanticizing people like Mark Zuckerberg dropping out of school <laughs> to go work on their startup. Did you want to talk about how you kind of balance school and launching a company and why it was important to also graduate. Yes, I I think, I mean, this might be maybe a cultural thing. I think a degree is just something that you you have to get. It's the bare minimum that you could do um, in, in, our, in our Indian culture. And I also wanted to, I, I'm not a person who starts things and, and quits right after. I worked so hard to get into the program and I worked so hard to get through the first two two to three years that it didn't make sense for me to like quit, quit half, halfway. Um, I think another thing is I, engineering has a lot of really incredible transferable skills that I still use to this day to run Mango People. Um, and I think all that time that I spent uh, finishing my degree and to say that I'm an engineer, I think that also just gives me a lot of credibility. Um, people understand that I know what I'm talking about now. I'm just not just a random person on the internet trying to sell them makeup. So there's definitely a lot of credibility that the um, degree gives. So yeah, I would say those are the few reasons I really wanted to finish my degree. And then tell me about the branding process. So you came up with all your own branding. You didn't work with yes. any outside agencies or anything like that? No, no. Um, again, I was I was a very young entrepreneur with very little money. So I, I tried to get quotes from people um, who do the branding and the logo design. But let's just say it's like more than what I had in the bank at the time. So um, I think fortunately for me, I've always been a very creative person. I definitely had the eye for it. So it was just a lot of Pinteresting. It was a lot of Instagram bookmarking and uh, took a lot of inspiration from photographers, from um uh, people who design logos and really spent a lot of time researching and trying to figure out what our voice is, what, what am I trying to get across for Mango people. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely was a challenging process. I think it took me almost like six months to get the colors right, to figure out the logo, to figure out the packaging. Uh, but I have to say, I think I'm, I was very happy with the way it turned out. What's your favorite part of working on the brand? Are you more interested in the formulation part, working in the lab, or the creative part? Oh, God, that's such a tough question. I 
That, that is a really tough question. I want to say product development is definitely um, one of my favorite things about Mango People. Um, and I always say this, it's, it's almost like magic. I think this is as close as I can get to magic. I have this idea in my head and, you know, you then put it on paper that you then like work for years to try to develop it. And the next thing you know, it's out in the market. People are trying it. People are loving it. They're writing reviews. They're telling your friends. Uh, I think the whole process itself is just so um, magical. And I, abs- and I definitely geek out uh, over the ingredients a lot. I love reading the decks. Um, so that's that's definitely one of my favorite parts. Um, I also love the creativity. Um, I think another a beautiful thing about entrepreneurship is you have to use both your right and left side of your brain all the time. And I really, really love that. There's days where I'm creatively drained and I could do a lot more of the math and all the financials. And there's some days where I don't want to look at the numbers, then I could just go take some photos or take some beautiful videos for the products. Um, but yeah, I, I would say I enjoy like 95% of my job. <laughs> And what does the brand name mean? Oh, yes, it's a really good question. So, you know, one of our unique value propositions is that we have these incredible ingredients that you can read, that you can understand, that are really great for your skin. And when trying to figure out the name, I really wanted to use one of our ingredients as part of the name to, again, to um, add on to the storytelling and uh, mango butter is one of our hero ingredients. And again, I'm South Asian. We love our mangoes. I personally love mangoes so much. And I don't know, I think it all just kind of uh, fits together. And, you know, the product is made for the people. So that's how it came to be, mango people. And tell us about the concept of the brand. It's the first Ayurvedic makeup brand to launch at Sephora. What does that mean? Yes, I uh, I think Ayurveda part kind of came pretty naturally to me. Um, growing up um, in a South Asian household, I was surrounded by Ayurveda. My mom was really big on it from our skincare, our hair care, the food we eat, the lifestyle that we have. Um, almost all of it was, was there's a lot of inspiration. There's a lot of um, um, habits and and teachings that are taught in the Ayurvedic lifestyle that that were incorporated into my lifestyle, thanks to my mom. And I just really wanted to bring that into makeup as well, um, just so you can like tie it all together and have a 360 approach to it. Uh, when And I think with um, Ayurveda, but I, I definitely didn't want it to be for like a sake of marketing. Uh, I really wanted to be intentional about the ingredients that we use. And I used to have a lot of acne. I, have a, I had a lot of acne growing up. I used to get irritated very easily, especially when I wear makeup. Um, and it's not just me, it's just a lot of my friends as well. So, uh, and one of the ingredients, ashwagandha, I'm sure that it's there, it's so much so popular nowadays, but it's an incredibly calming, um, ingredient. It like soothes your skin as soon as you apply it onto your skin. Um, and I love that. I was like, oh, why don't we bring that to the makeup? That way, when you wear the product, it's not irritating. It's not breaking your skin out. Um, and, and it worked really well. We have hundreds of reviews, um, DMs, emails from people with acne, eczema, dry skin that are like, You're the pro- your products are the only ones that don't irritate my skin. They're the only ones that hydrate my skin and don't break break me out. And so that's definitely thanks to all the Ayurvedic ingredients that we use. Uh, but yeah, and it's, it's a really incredible historic moment that we're the first um, Ayurvedic makeup line to launch at Sephora. That's, that's truly amazing. That's something I never thought I would say. And tell me about the ingredient sourcing process. What was that like? Yeah, so um, I think that was the fir- one of the first things that I wanted to figure out was one, trying to understand like what is the good, the bad, the ugly ingredients that are currently u- the other that were used in the products. 
Um, what was my criteria to determine what are the good ingredients, what are the bad ingredients? So obviously made like a, a, a long list of um, the banned or the no ingredient list. Um, and on top and on top of that, whenever we work with our chemist, I make sure that I get a preliminary ingredient list that I then verify, go through one by one. I always ask for the ingredient decks as well to make sure that we have some kind of like clinical trials or some kind of data to back up our claims that we make for marketing. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely a very intensive process, but I would say, we refer our blacklist that we constantly update um, every year. On top of that, I myself go through the list with with our chemist, um, trying to figure out what the purpose of each and every single ingredient is. Because one thing that we don't have is filler ingredients. We want to make sure that every ingredient has a purpose. So for the Sephora launch, before you launched into Sephora, you were in the Accelerate Incubator program. When did you join yes. that and what was the process for getting into that? Yeah, so we were uh, we were um, honored to be in the program last year in uh, 2022. I applied, I believe, in or in uh, late in November in 2021, and I found out about the program um, through socials through Sephora socials. It was a very int- it, it definitely was a tough process. I think they had thousands of applications, and they only selected a handful of brands. I, I believe like eight or so brands. Um, very, very pleasantly surprised to be chosen. And it's been an incredible, um, uh, it, it was an incredible program. Uh, I was definitely, I definitely went in a little skeptical because I'm sure, I'm sure you've seen it. There's just so many times you see a lot of things for tokenism. Um, they're just kind of there uh, for marketing. Not a lot of programs truly mean what they say. But with Sephora, I was very, very pleasantly surprised. Truly, every single member of the team genuinely cared about the brands, um, trying to support us through every step of the way, even with the launch. Uh, so another thing with the program is just because you got into the program doesn't mean you're guaranteed a spot at to be able to be sell at Sephora. I think it's conversations that you need to have while they figure out who you are as a brand. And I remember our initial conversations were... When you launch at Sephora, you know, these are things that you have to keep in mind and they soon turn into, oh, sorry, it was if, well, if you launch at Sephora, these are some things that you need to um, think about. And then uh, very soon, I think a few months into the program, it turned into when you launch at Sephora um, and they've been incredible. They've been there every step of the way trying to help us, um, well, get here to launch at Sephora. We've been working on it for the past year. So what did they focus on in terms of getting you prepped for that launch? Yeah, so I think a lot of the brands, um, or even for even for someone like myself, we haven't done retail partnerships ever. A lot of them are direct consumers. So, with the Sephora Accelerator program in particular, they talk about what it is like to partner to partner with Sephora. They um, like some even simple things like inventory management software, um, EDI setup. How do order? How are POs placed? How are things delivered? Uh, how well, what kind of marketing do you need to do? What kind of numbers do they expect? All these things are some of the things that we talked about in the program. And what is the process for fundraising for you? I know a lot of startup brands, when they enter a retailer for the first time, they'll do a fundraising round. Right. Are you approaching it that way or what is your approach to fundraising? Yes, that's a, that's a really great question. I... This is my answer now, and I, I don't know, it might change a month from now, but I think we, 
we, you know, we've been very fortunate to be profitable since month three because we invested such little money at the beginning and all of our growth has been completely organic that we didn't have to spend so much money on ads. So because of that, we've been profitable um, since month three. So because of that, we have a very healthy cash flow that as of now, we're okay. We would not need to raise any money um, and we can continue to grow our brand uh, with the budgets that we have. Um, but I think my current plan right now is to really focus on the Sephora launch for the next few months, make that a very successful partnership and uh, hopefully learn what it what I need to do or what we need to do to get to in-store launch. And I think that's when we would need that injection of uh, capital. And then I'll pursue um, fundraising just because like now I have proven the concept. Like look, we also launched at Sephora, proved great numbers. I just think that that'll be a much easier pitch for me uh, rather than just going in right now. So the brand is live on the Sephora site now. It's brand new yes. on Sephora. Have you seen any results so far from it? Like, what have you seen since the Sephora launch? What has it meant for your brand? Oh, my God. It, it, it's been incredible. Uh, we are blown away by the sales that we're generating. Uh, we met their estimates. We went, we blown their estimates, which is really incredible to hear. I was definitely nervous uh, because I'm, I'm sure, you know, it's like one thing to launch at Sephora and another to actually be successful at Sephora. So we had a really great um, 10 days so far and we hit what we sell in a month in the first eight days. So it, it, it's it's been a great, great start so far. And at Sephora, you have the clean and planet positive designation. When you were developing the brand, did you look at retailers' requirements when you were coming up with the packaging and the formulations, or was it kind of like automatically qualifying for that? How did you develop that? That's a really good question. I I actually did, I, I actually did not. And um, I think it just came naturally to us because again, like one of the biggest reasons Mango People started is because of the ingredients. So um, us having top-notch ingredients that add genuinely add value to your skin just came naturally to us as part of the brand. Um, in terms of packaging, um, I, I have always been someone who's always been very mindful about uh, my ecological footprint. And that's something that I really wanted to bring to Mango People as well. So it was really important for me to source as sustainable packaging as possible as we can afford. Um, and yeah, and, and I think when the conversation with Sephora started, they shared over their clean policy as well as the Planet Green policy. And we fit right away. It, it was a very quick check and we checked off everything. And you have aluminum containers. Did you want to talk about the process of using aluminum? Like how much of a challenge is that in beauty right now? It is very challenging. It's also very, very expensive. We pay four times more than we would for the same container that's like plastic or that's PCR. Um, but again, it was it wasn't a it, it was it was something that we had to do. It wasn't an option for us. That was one of our core pillars is to minimize our waste as much as possible. And uh, and, and again, the, the aluminum is such a beautiful metal. It's, it's a truly sustainable metal because you can keep recycling it endlessly, infinitely, and it doesn't lose its property, which is, and, and just a quick like fact, like 75% of aluminum that has ever been mined is still being used today. I think it really speaks about how incredible the material is. So yeah, I think for us, we just had no choice. We had to go with aluminum. 
What is the process like for finding a source for aluminum packaging for makeup? Obviously, with drinks or something, it's super easy. But uh, did you have to go and kind of negotiate with places to create that? Absolutely. So it was not an easy process. I like to your point, there's so many people who have the plastic alternatives, but there's very few that had the aluminum containers that we had with the design that we had in mind. Um, I think it was a lot of Googling, to be honest. It was a lot of like cold emails, calling everyone that I knew. Uh, just just trying to figure out if there's at least like one person on this planet that could that could make this happen. And um, I think it took us like almost a year and a half to find the find the manufacturer, send us our designs, our, our Pantone colors, get the samples, and then going into production. And then what about building an audience and getting the word out about the brand, driving brand awareness? I know that you like to work as the face of the brand as well on your socials. You're always testing the products. Um, tell us about that strategy of connecting with an audience. Yes. Yeah, so I will say... If I had the choice, I wouldn't be the face of the brand. I think it's it's very stressful, especially in this day and age when you can accidentally say something wrong and you can just you can get canceled. I, I always worry about that. Um, but again, like going back, um, I was I was twenty three, twenty four when the brand launched, and by the time we went through the launch process, I had no money left in the bank account. Um, there was no money to for the paid ads, to, you know, gift influencers. So, um, and I remember trying to figure out what can I do to to market the brand? Because again, being very honest and transparent, we launched to crickets. It was, it was just our family, our friends that are purchasing the products and that was it. And when I was trying to figure out what to do, um, one of my friends suggested um, that I go on socials, on TikTok specifically, because she saw a lot of small businesses blowing up. Um, and this was, again, like pretty recent to one TikTok launch. I think it's been two years. Uh, and I was like, you know what? I have nothing to lose. Let's just try it out. And I remember I made my first video and I think it got 200 views. It did absolutely nothing. But again, I just had no choice at this time. I had to do something. So I kept doing this for a few months and I remember I think it's like a I think it's like this the 10th or so video uh, went viral. We had um, I think collectively over um, like a million or two million views on both the both the Instagram Instagram reels and TikTok and I was blown away at, at what happened uh, after that video went viral and I think that completely changed the trajectory of our business. Um, there's so many people. It was a it was a very simple video of me uh, introducing myself, uh, talking about being a people, uh, my pain points, and why I created the brand and how we solve those pain points. And uh, there's so many people around the world that really connected to those pain points. Uh, they're like, oh my god, this is also me. And they not only like saw the video, liked and followed. They also went ahead and purchased the products. Um, and again, it was just so beautiful to watch. Um, and and then and then from that day on. All our resources and our time has been heavily focused on social media, and we pretty much go viral once a month or every other month, uh, thanks to thanks to social media and everything that you see on our social. Our revenues until this year of March has been completely organic. It's only very recently we started getting into like paid ads. So, which platform is the biggest driver of sales? Is it TikTok? 
Oh, that is so tough. Um, uh, to be very honest with you, I would say it's pretty even because I think with TikTok, there's definitely like that sudden growth whenever you see a TikTok viral video and we see a spike in sales. But I would say I, I we always use TikTok as like the top funnel to kind of get the word out. Um, because one thing about the way TikTok algorithm is it doesn't show too much to your existing community. It's always like new people. So we always use TikTok as a top funnel and then we use our socials, our website or email to get people to actually purchase the products. And then in terms of what TikTok content goes viral, you talked about addressing pain points. Did you want to talk more about that, like specifically what's in the content and what is resonating with people? Absolutely. There's like a few things. I think, um, again, just I think just really sharing my story and why I started Mango People. So one of the things that we talk about is the ingredients and how important it is to read the ingredient list and what are some things that are found in the common um, lipsticks or makeup that you that the average a user might not know of. So educate. So doing a lot of education um, around what goes into our makeup products is definitely one of them. Um, my mom not letting me use makeup uh, reason being because of the ingredients is another I feel like every time I talk about my mom we go viral um, and I really think I should create her like an affiliate code at this point uh, but yeah anytime I talk about how my mom didn't let me wear makeup when I was young because she was worried about uh, my skin getting damaged also does really well because again basically a lot of like storytelling about why I started Mango People and how our products are different than what's existing and how we solve those problems um, Another quick one would be the shade range. There's unfortunately a lot of the a lot of the uh, companies don't always cater for the medium to deeper skin tones, and a lot of the colors look like concealer on us. They're very ashy. They kind of wash you out. And with our shades, we don't have that. So we do a lot of storytelling around how the shade range is very inclusive, and we don't use the word inclusive. We just show the products on different skin tones. We'll say here's one shade, and here's it on like five different people. And then I think that that the video itself just speaks to how great the shades are. Yeah. Do you want to give more details on the shades and the colors you work with? Yes, absolutely. So again, the shade range was just very, very important to us. I, again, I'm very, very grateful that we see so many different kind of, uh, you know, models, skin tones, age types now in marketing campaigns. But I think true inclusivity still is, should be focused on the formulas, the shades that you, um, Put in your makeup lines, and I know when we when we're, when I was trying to when I was when I was designing the multi sticks, the bronzers or the highlighters, um, I spent a lot of time learning color theory. I know that's like really trending now, but I was I was very much focused on it like five five years ago, trying to understand why certain shades work for certain skin tones but not for other skin tones. Um, that's why we have like multiple um, versions of a lot of the shades. So for example, um, our orange peach shade. So we have apricot that's very suitable for like a very fair to light medium skin tone or light to skin tones. Uh, we have peach that's really nice for the medium to deep skin tones. Um, it's again, it's still like the same orange color, but apricot just just light a lighter version versus like peach is like a more warmer version. And then we have jalebi. It's like this really deep orange shade that looks gorgeous on like deep to dark skin tones. It's one shade of orange, but you need three different versions of it because what works for you is not going to work for me. And that's something that a lot of people miss. Um, but yeah, we put so like, and I think another another quick example is our, our bestseller to date, our globby multi-stick. Uh, it's our bestseller and also most reviewed and for good reason. That shade in itself took me 
years to make. I went through so many iterations because a nude pink is an impossibly hard shade to get um, for uh, people of color. Again, it just there's a lot of them just make you look gray and washed out. And this 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 um, globby is like a, this rich pink shade. It has more warmer undertone to it, so it doesn't give you like that grayness. Um, yeah, that's I. I hope I answered your question. <laughs> and does your mom use the products now? She does. She uses the shade Gulabi. That's her favorite. And uh, she loves the shade. Uh, her favorite shade is pink. And Gulabi is pink or rose in our in our language, in my mother tongue, Telugu. So that's the reason why I named that shade Gulabi. Yeah. Tell me more about growing up and your relationship to beauty. Like, when were you able to first start wearing makeup? <laughs> So, um, so I don't, so there's, there's different parts to it. You know, I think whenever I think about beauty, I just think about my mom, uh, you know, in, in South Asian culture, we don't, we don't really go to spas. We don't really buy skincare. Our moms make our skincare. They are our spas. Um, like we don't buy hair masks. My mom would just grab ingredients from, from, from the fridge and she would just take yogurts, um, put strawberries in it and just make like a mask that she would just then apply. And and they really work. They truly work. Um, and so that's why whenever I think about beauty, I think about my mom. But one thing that she she was very anti is us using makeup because again, like she just did not love most of the ingredients. A lot of them are petroleum byproducts and she just didn't feel comfortable. She didn't feel she didn't feel very comfortable um, as using these kind of makeup products. And definitely as a kid, I definitely I didn't understand uh, why she was saying that because I was like, oh, but everyone else is wearing makeup. Why can't I wear makeup? Uh, but it was when I was in my, I think when I moved away uh, from home to college uh, and when I started engineering is when I started using makeup. And yeah, I was in my second year and I was like, oh, no, wait, she's actually right. These are not that great. Um, but yeah, I, and I think another reason that she was very anti us using makeup when we were young is because she really wanted us to feel comfortable with the way we look and the way we are. And she was definitely worried. She def- definitely didn't want us to, um, go into the space where we ever get to a point where we can't even look at ourselves in the mirror without makeup. I think that's another thing that she was really concerned about. So she's like, just wait until you're 18, just wait until you're older and then you can start wearing makeup. So do you have a target age demographic with the brand? Because you're big on TikTok, you have mom using it. <laughs> do you have an age group that you're focused on? Um, honestly, no, not at all. I, I never put out a piece of content or we never share anything where we're like, okay, we're trying to target this. Let's put the ad for these people. Um, we and I, and I know people are always like, you should really niche down, you should really focus. But I, I do, I truly mean it. Our products genuinely are for everyone. We have uh, people, I get reviews from people with, um, again, like older women with more mature skin that are like, oh, I love this shade because it doesn't set into my wrinkles, into my fine lines. So we genuinely have a product that caters to all. So we definitely don't have like a hyper-focused on any particular, um, any particular age group. And then are you Gen Z or millennial? Do you do you have a do you think of yourself as a certain generation? I know it's all kind of like made up, right? But Yeah, yeah, no, that's such a good that's such a good question. I feel like it depends on which article I read, because I know sometimes they have a cutoff at ninety-six and sometimes they have a cutoff at ninety-seven. So it really depends on which article you're reading. But I think just as a person, I definitely feel more like a millennial than I than I would say a Gen Z. Yeah, because they talk about the cuspers too, right? But it's it's so yes. arbitrary. Um, yes. Yeah, do you think there's anything different about like Gen Z versus millennial 
startup culture in terms of founders and being a brand founder? Yeah, that's that's such an interesting question. So I think it might be a little hard for me to speak on that because I think a lot of my founder friends are millennials. Um, so I, I don't really know. Yeah, I don't know if I can, I can answer that question completely, but I will say this. I know now more than ever, we're seeing so many young entrepreneurs in all kinds of spaces. And I think it's really great because we're also hiring people who are young and who are talented, who are up and coming. So there's just so much opportunity and so much creativity in the space. And I absolutely love it. Like you no longer have to wait until you're, I think another, oh, sorry. I think another thing is I love that. I love that the barrier to entry has went down so much because now you don't have to wait until you're 50 and save a ton of money before you can like see your dreams come true. So I think that's really wonderful. Do you have a team right now? Yes, yeah, so we're a small team. Uh, it's myself, um, Eileen, our social media manager slash outreach person slash many other jobs that she does. Uh, the, uh, she just recently onboarded us this year. She's absolutely wonderful. And then we have a small team of our um, packers who pack the orders. <laughs> and um, tell me about, yeah, social media. Um, so TikTok, Instagram, big platforms. Um, you... With the Sephora Accelerate program, like, did you work with their influencer program at all? Like, was there any overlap with that? Like, does Sephora, like, connect you with um, their influencer group? Yes. Yeah, so so we, uh, we requested for the list from Sephora um, because we would, we don't do any paid partnerships with influencers, but we do a lot of gifting. And yeah, I definitely reached out to Sephora and requested them if, if we can, if there'll be, if anyone will be interested in receiving our products. And uh, yeah, Sephora has this list that they send out to brands. And then, yeah, we reached out via DM and almost like 99% of them have tried the products, have shared about the products. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how we worked with Sephora, Sephora squad. Yeah, the squad, right? Yeah. What, yes, how yes, does, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How has that been for the brand? Yeah, there's like different ways. Um, I again, like uh, there's some, there's a lot of the members are open to gifting, some not so much. Uh, most of them are. So we get the list where that that says like they are open to gifting, but we always like reach out via DM or email just so they can understand who we are, rather than just sending packages. We always try to make build those relationships. But yeah, we reached out when um, when we got the list. We let them know like, hi, we're a small brand, we're Mega People. We'll be launching with Sephora soon, and you know we would love to send you guys some products to try. We always say no obligation to post at all, and um, a lot of them said yes. We sent out the packages, and so many of them have been so kind and um, generous, and they've actually. Um, organically shared about our products so thoughtfully and so beautifully. So it definitely helped us a lot to help spread the word that we're launching at Sephora. And are you following all the developments with social commerce links, um, like TikTok and Instagram developing um, social commerce and having influencers link directly to purchase? Like, do you see any kind of direct results from that? Yeah, so we um, we actually just set up our, our TikTok shop, and we're trying to figure out that how all of that works. But I think I think it's good to always test things. I think it's always like good to learn things because I uh, with entrepreneur with 
with at least in the makeup space like what works for you might not work from somebody else and the only way you're going to know if it works for your brand is to try it out so whenever there is something that new that's like new that's any of the platforms are introducing we try to hop on it as, as early as possible that way we can learn as much about it as much as possible and then see like does this align with mango people does it work with what we stand for and then if the answer is yes then we pursue it if the answer is no then we end it there what are you seeing with TikTok shop? What is that process like? Yeah, so I again like this was the this it's only been like a week or so that we started this. It's like a very initial finding, but the way that we're approaching it is instead of reaching out to random creators that we have never worked with and saying like, "Hey, do you want to sell your our products on your TikTok shop?" Uh, what we're what we're doing is we're reaching out to influencers that have that always share about our products organically and then letting them know like hi like you know where we just installed the tiktok shop the affiliate program uh would you would you like to be part of it and then we a lot of them might be new to the platform so we explain to them the way how it works about how since you already share so much about our products you know this way you can actually earn a commission every time there's a sale through your video and um so far everyone said yes uh, and yeah we're we're Curious to see how that's going to pan out. I think we'll be again experimenting with it over the next month. So looking forward with what's next for the brand, you're brand new to Sephora. What products are in the pipeline? Are you planning on introducing more? What can we expect in the future? Yes, yes. I am so, so excited to get some newness in. I know our community members have been waiting for a long time. But I think, again, um, you know, my, my philosophy to new development is always Either one, it's like a product that just doesn't exist in the market, period. Um, and it's just going to take your beauty routine to another level. Or two, the product does exist in the market, but we just have a better take on it, whether it's the ingredients, whether it's the performance, packaging, whatever that might look like. And because it's such a strict criteria, it takes us a long time to like ideate, to actually uh, bringing the products to life, especially with our very strict ingredient list that we follow. So because of that, it's taking us some time, but I am really, really excited to say that we have um, newness coming next year, early next year, um, some a little bit later on in the year. And I, I really, I'm, I'm really excited again. These are the products that are requested by our community with, again, with our take on it. So um, yeah, yeah, very excited. I, I will definitely share more on you next year. <laughs> Well, we look forward to seeing everything you have in store for the brand. And thank you for being here. No, thank you so much for having me. This is great. Thanks for tuning into the Glassy Beauty Podcast. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. See you next week. Hey.